Angelus Domini Nunciavit Mari. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Tonight I would like to speak on the familiar devotion that can easily enhance our daily prayer. Simple and yet meaningful in drawing us closer to our Lord at important moments of our day. I'm speaking of the devotion called the Angelus, so called because of the first Latin word, Angelus, meaning angel. The Angelus devotion goes back at least to the 1200s, when popes, bishops, and local synods had issued indulgences for the faithful who recited this devotion. However, in the beginning, it was simply composed of three Palmarians. At this time, when the bell of a monastery would toll for the monk's prayer, the faithful would themselves say three Helmeries, similar to how the rosary was a 150 Helmeri adaptation from the 150 psalms that the monks would pray. These Helmeries would be prayed three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. In the morning of the Helmeries would be said after prime, at noon after sex, and in the evening after the office of Compline. The Angelus was prayed in the morning, representing our Lord's resurrection, as this was the time that He rose from the dead. As the sun comes to illumine our day, so the light of His miraculous resurrection guides us on our journey of faith. Further proof of this commemoration of our Lord's resurrection in the morning comes from many traditions in Europe in which the Easter hymn to Our Lady called the Regina Celi was recited each morning. Second, this devotion was prayed at noon, representing the reason of Christ's incarnation as He was lifted up on the cross. Special devotions to the Passion of our Lord were traditionally prayed in the middle of the day, corresponding again to the time when He hung on the cross. And finally, it was prayed in the evening, commemorating the Annunciation. Historically, the very first instance of the Angelus devotion was only in the evening as it was believed to be the time when St. Gabriel appeared to Our Lady. Thus, following its historical development, the Angelus devotion commemorates our Lord's resurrection in the morning, His Passion at noon, and the Annunciation in the evening. The present, full form of the Angelus that we are acquainted with, with the three versicles preceding the three Homeries, dates to about the year 1612, and is an accumulation and a maturation of a gradual development of pious practices over the centuries. Also, from Italian tradition, three glory bees would be added in thanksgiving for the graces bestowed on Mary as she was the daughter of the Father, the mother of Jesus Christ, and spouse of the Holy Ghost. Then at the end of the Angelus in Italy, the De Profundis Psalm was prayed for the poor souls. Thus, in our Angelus we pray the versicle for the burial service, Requiem Eternum Domin Eis Domin, Eternal Rest Grant to Them. In monasteries and seminaries like our own, the Angelus is recited after the Divine Office three times each day, kneeling during the weekdays and standing on Sunday. The Angelus is also recited in union with the Church Angelus Bell to announce to the neighborhood the call to prayer. And during Easter time, the Angelus is exchanged for the Regina Chaley. So now let us give a brief commentary on the Angelus as we know it today.
We begin, the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and we reply, and she conceived of the Holy Ghost. This first versicle is a summary of the angel's message to Mary that we heard in today's gospel. From the beginning of the gospel, Mary is already married to St. Joseph by Jewish custom, as the text states that she was espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Thus, Mary is already married. And according to Jewish custom, Mary was married before the Annunciation. Mary's humility at being addressed with hail full of grace left her in silence, bewilderment, and wonder as to how an angel, a messenger of God, could greet her, a simple maid, with such lofty praise. St. Gabriel tries to ease her confusion by saying that she has found favor with God and that her son would be called Jesus, that he would be the Son of the Most High, and that his reign would be forever. But Mary asks how this should be, because both she and Joseph are virgins. Mary has already vowed to God her virginity, thus making her a mother would require a miracle. But Mary does not deny that a miracle could take place, but is simply asking a natural question given the circumstances. Then St. Gabriel confirms that she is the promised virgin prophesied by Isaiah, as we heard in the epistle, and that it is through the overpowering of the Holy Ghost that she shall conceive the Son of God. Then, after this versicle, we pray the Hail Mary, that we might imitate Mary's faith and her humility. Then we recite a second versicle, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. In Latin we here pray, Fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum, as we heard at the end of the Gospel. It is this fiat of Our Lady that was the pivotal moment in which, following her consent, God became man. This is how grace works in our lives. God first sends a grace to dispose us to accept His invitation. Then we are free to accept or to refuse, and only upon our consent does God follow through with His divine proposal and bring about His marvelous works in us and in our souls. Following our Heavenly Mother, each time we pray the second versicle in its Mary, may we pray for the grace to follow Our Lady in her humility and obedience to all in God's divine plan and His inspiration. And then we recite the third versicle. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This is the moment of the Incarnation, the most solemn moment in salvation history in which the second person of the Blessed Trinity entered time, beginning His work for our redemption. Here, we should be filled with tremendous gratitude to God for His mercy and willing to save us, wretched creatures, from damnation that would have been ours had it not been for our Lord's redemption. When we pray this versicle in its Hail Mary, let us unite our hearts with Mary's and offer thanksgiving to God for His wondrous grace in our soul. Then we pray, pray for us, the Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. The Mother of God is also our Mother, as Jesus gave her to us on the cross. And we turn to her, that she may intercede for us, that God's grace in us may not be in vain. 
but that we may profit from the promises of Christ for our eternal salvation. And then we pray a prayer. Pour forth and beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. This prayer is familiar because it is taken from the Alma Redemptory Smoncare that we sing after Compline from Advent until the Purification. Then we follow this prayer by reciting, reciting three times the glory be. First, giving thanks to God for the graces given to Our Lady to make her the Immaculate Daughter of the Father. Then again the glory be in giving thanks to God for the graces given to her to make her the Mother of Christ. And thirdly, in giving thanks to God for the graces given to Our Lady to make her the Spouse of the Holy Ghost as she works with Him for the sanctification of our souls. And then we pray the Angel of God prayer, first in gratitude to St. Gabriel for his message to Our Lady, and we pray to him that he may intercede for us, that we too may be worthy of the fruits of the Incarnation that we receive in Holy Communion. And secondly, we pray the Angel of God prayer, praying to our own guardian angel, that they may continually assist us to be the servant or handmaid of our Lord, as we strive to live out our own fiat, to God's will and following His inspirations. Then, following the Italian tradition of the De Profundis Psalm, we conclude by praying for the poor souls. Eternal rest grant to them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. Amen. My dear faithful, having now learned more about the history and meaning of the Angelus devotion, may we be more faithful in implementing this devotion three times a day in our family. Because of its shortness, let us be faithful in introducing and maintaining this with our other devotions, maybe after evening or maybe before the meals, as we often pray three times a day. May its simplicity and shortness allow us to keep our attention for these brief moments. May its commemoration of the Annunciation allow us to unite ourselves with Mary as Christ seeks to incarnate himself in our lives by his grace. May we imitate Our Lady in her humility, in her faith, and in her obedience, so that we too may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.